an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was, is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as, they, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is God's word. Thanks, Caitlin, for reading scripture today. Good morning to all of you. Over the course of this morning, we're going to be baptizing several, seven individuals. Uh, two of those will be in this service. Uh, in a few minutes, you'll be watching a video where you see snippets of each of the seven sharing their story of how they came to faith in Christ, and then afterwards, we'll have the actual baptisms. Uh, but in preparation for the baptism, I want, to, I want us to consider the passage that was just read in Acts chapter 8. Uh, we took a short break from Acts for Easter. Next week, we'll jump back to the end of chapter 6 chapter 7 and part of 8, that uh, the verses are at the bottom of your, your sermon outline in the bulletin. would encourage you to read that. It's a long passage. encourage you to read it before you come next Sunday morning. I suspect that many of you can remember the last time you took a long trip. You traveled, uh, say, over a thousand miles to get somewhere. For me, that was in February. I went to Phoenix, and from, it took 10 hours to get from my house to the Airbnb in Phoenix. I had to fly to Chicago to get to Phoenix. There were delays and layovers, that type of thing. And by the time I got there, I found myself wondering, is this trip even worth all the effort and the expense and the time? And the man in Acts 8 might have been thinking the same thing. He traveled a lot farther than I did. He traveled between probably around 1,200 miles and he traveled by chariot, which was basically a carriage pulled by an animal, perhaps a, a horse. And uh, he came from Ethiopia, which is not modern-day Ethiopia, but it's uh, modern-day Sudan. He went up through Egypt. He came to Jerusalem to worship. It would have taken him months to get there. 
And we're told two significant things about this man that would have impacted his worship in Jerusalem. First of all, he was a Gentile. He was non-Jewish. And so when he went to worship, he could only enter as far as the outer court, which is the court of the Gentiles. And the second thing we're mentioned, uh, Luke actually mentions it five times in this passage, he was a eunuch, which means that he had been castrated. And in the ancient world, there were a variety of reasons why uh, a man or a boy was castrated. Believe it or not, one reason was job opportunity. Eunuchs were trusted for certain jobs where others weren't. For example, taking care of the king's harem or being a personal assistant to the queen. A eunuch could generally be trusted. And this man was the treasurer for Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. So uh, he was a very wealthy man, very prominent man, and he took this, this journey to go to, uh, to Jerusalem. But when it came to his worship in Jerusalem, the law prohibited eunuchs from becoming full converts to Judaism. And so because he was a Gentile and he was a eunuch, he would have been prevented from fully entering into the temple worship in Jerusalem. And I wonder if this man at the end of this journey wondered, is this long trip really worth it? All the time, the expense, the effort. And we pick up the narrative and we find out that this man has left Jerusalem. He's gone as far south as Gaza, which was the last town uh, south, southwest Israel, before he crossed the long desert to go to Egypt and then back home. And we're told that he was sitting in his chariot and he was reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And it's striking that he actually had a copy of Isaiah and he was reading it. But the problem was he did not understand what he was reading. We've all had that experience reading the Old Testament at times. And what, we, what Luke emphasizes in this passage is that God was in hot pursuit of this man. God sent an angel, one of his messengers, told Philip, who was introduced earlier in Acts, Philip, go down to Gaza. Philip goes to Gaza, and then the Spirit says to Philip, go up and, and engage this man sitting in the chariot. And what, what Luke says is that Philip ran to the chariot, which is reminiscent of the prophets in the Old Testament. Sometimes they would run when they had an urgent message that they were bringing to someone. Well, the Ethiopian man invited Philip to sit in his chariot and invited him to explain the passage that he was reading. Again, in Acts 8, 32 and 33, we read this. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth." And so these two verses are found in Isaiah 53, and Isaiah is talking about the servant of the Lord, and he likens him to a lamb being led to the slaughter. In other words, he, he submitted to death. He didn't fight it. He went willingly. And as well, it says he was humiliated and denied justice. And the prophet asked the question, how do you even begin to describe a generation 
that would take such an innocent life from the earth. And so we read in verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? It's not completely obvious who this figure is when you read it. Verse 35, we read, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And so Philip would have explained to him that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that the prophet was talking about. Jesus was like a a lamb led to the slaughter. And Luke emphasizes that when, when Jesus went to Jerusalem, he didn't go kicking and screaming. No, he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem because there he would pay for the sins of the people, and then he would return to his heavenly Father. And so when Jesus was crucified, he didn't curse the soldiers that were crucifying him. He prayed for them. And so he was silent when it came to the cursing. And Luke also stresses that Jesus was humiliated and he was denied justice. And when you read the the Gospel of Luke, you see that Pilate and Herod and the repentant thief and the centurion who was looking on, they all pronounced Jesus innocent. This is injustice that's happening. This man has done nothing worthy of death. And yet sinful men crucified him, declared him guilty, but God declared him innocent by raising him from the dead on the third day. And so Philip explained these things to the man. And since everything that is written about the, the, the Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures was fulfilled by Jesus, Philip could have gone to any number of other Scriptures to preach the good news about Jesus to him. Well, we know that the Ethiopian man received this news because of what we read in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. And then it's interesting with the way he asks this question. He asks, what prevents me from being baptized? Being in Jerusalem, uh, as we've been, been studying in Acts, uh, the eunuch would have heard and seen about people becoming disciples of Jesus and then being baptized as a way to kind of go public and express I'm following Jesus throughout this life and into the next. And so they come to the water, and and this man has come to the place where he wants to be a disciple of Jesus. And so he asked me, what prevents me from being baptized? Remember, he had gone to Jerusalem, and he was prevented from entering in fully to the worship at the temple because he was a Gentile because he was a eunuch. And he wondered, when it comes to following Jesus, is there anything that prevents someone like me to become a disciple of Jesus and then be baptized? Now we expect Philip's answer. But in most modern translations, you may have noticed, verse 37 is not there. Uh, in, in older versions, like the King James Version, uh, there's a, there is a verse there. And the best explanation is that that verse is not in the oldest manuscripts and therefore probably not original, but it was supplied at some point by copyists to make clear that this man did have faith in Jesus. It's implicit in the passage, but it was made explicit. And so Acts 8.37 in the New American Standard reads this way, And Philip said, 
if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so what is said in that verse, uh, again, probably not original, but that's what's said throughout the book of Acts and throughout the rest of the Old Testament, that if you believe that Jesus, <clears throat> that Jesus is the Son of God, then you can, you can become a, a disciple of Jesus and nothing prevents you from being disciple, a disciple and from being baptized. And so perhaps Philip also pointed this man to Isaiah 56. Read it sometimes. It's fascinating because Isaiah 56 looks forward to the day when Gentiles and eunuchs enter into covenant with God, and we're told there that, that they are given a permanent place and a name in God's house. And so, again, if you believe in Jesus, nothing prevents you from full fellowship with God. And all of us at some time in our lives have to ask the question, what is it that prevents me from being fully accepted by God, becoming a follower of Jesus, and then entering into, into his household? And there's all sorts of things. You, for you, it may be, you know, there's something in my past. I am just so full of shame over what I've done. It's hard for me to believe that God would actually forgive me and fully accept me. Or maybe you've been an opponent of Christianity, an outspoken uh, opponent against Jesus and his followers. Uh, if so, read the next chapter. Read Acts 9. It's about a man named Saul. He hated Christians. He hunted them down put them in prison, and if they committed blasphemy, he was in favor of executing them. But that didn't prevent him from becoming a disciple of Jesus. He came to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He became a disciple, and he was baptized. And so that's the good news that, that Philip preached to this man. We come to verse 38. It says, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then we read that he went home rejoicing. So this man went home full of joy. And so it turns out this long, expensive, time-consuming time journey to Jerusalem was absolutely worth it because he, he returned home with this, this full assurance that he was one of God's, that he belonged to him in his house forever. And those being baptized here this morning have that same assurance. And so it's such a joy. In this service, two are being baptized. Uh, Alec Adam will be baptized by his friend Troy Stanbaugh. And then Carrie Enriquez will be baptized by her husband, Jeremy. Before they're baptized, just want to, or before we watch the videos, I want to just, just mention the affirmation that they'll be making. And so... Before they're baptized, uh, they will be asked, each be asked these three questions. And, and they're pretty fierce, I have to warn you. But this, this reflects an all-in commitment to following Jesus Christ. First of all, trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? They will reply, I renounce them. And second, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? The reply, I do. And then third, will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word 
and showing his love. They say, I will with God's help. So they're not saying I'm arrived, I'm perfect, but they're saying with God's help, by God's grace, I will walk with Jesus throughout my life. After those affirmations, the person will be baptized, and then we as a church will be able to respond. This is a way for us to uh, affirm their faith in Christ and welcome them into the family of God. And so uh, they will be asked, the person baptizing will ask us, people of God, what is our response? And then here's the response, and uh, I would invite you to say this out loud with me now. Just practice it. We'll say it out loud at the time. People of God, what is our response? We receive you into the family of God, live and proclaim the gospel of Christ, and share with us in life everlasting. So those are going to be baptized, and those baptizing, will you uh, exit through the, the door there, prepare for the baptism, and invite everyone else to turn your attention to the screen. So one day my husband came home and he um, said, hey, uh, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to do Christian studies. And so I was like, really? Hmm, that's different. Um, so with that being said, numerous times he had um, invited me to like do Bible studies with him. I knew that there was a God and I knew that Jesus it was his son, he died on the cross for me, but I didn't know them. And I didn't um, have a relationship with him. Um, and I didn't even understand what the gospel meant. I was at a point where I was just like um, needing something. So one day I said, okay, um, I would love to do this Bible study with you. Like, um, And so I gave it a chance. and. We opened that word, and ever since then, nothing has been the same. God opened my eyes and just showed me so many, like, who he is and who I'm not and um, the, how, how bad I need Jesus. And, and, I, and I am forgiven because of his son, Jesus Christ. And um, actually getting to understand that and um, just, it's just, I just want to, I want to tell everybody, <laughs> um, just the power in the gospel and the Holy Spirit, just, just in the word of God, um, it's very powerful. Yeah, what well, uh, really led me to Jesus um, and kind of pursuing faith in Christ, um, it was, it really came back down to um, freshman year in college. Um, I didn't really know Christ before then, um, hadn't ever really grown up in a church or anything like that. Um, a bunch of my friends had been like, hey, you know, you should come to church and these events with us. And I was just kind of blown it off, you know, I didn't really think much about it. Man, but freshman year on my dorm floor, Haymaker, fourth floor, the greatest floor ever. There are just so many guys, guys that were like so in tune in their faith. And it was, it was amazing, you know. Um, they poured out to me like the very first day and like immediately I could tell that there was, you know, there's something different about their life. And the more I hung out with them, I was like, man, I really want what they have. You know, like this is awesome. They're such great people. And I realized like, you know, looking at their life and my life, I was like, man, what, what's the difference? And I was like, that's what it is, you know, they're pursuing Christ, you know, in this amazing fashion. And so that's, that's really kind of what yeah, led me to like, hey, maybe I should try this out. I think what changed for me in my life um, is, is really my perspective on the world. Um, I was really angry, um, maybe upset and lost, you know, before following Christ. Um, and then afterwards, I just found a lot of peace and joy in, in really everything. 
um, you know, I try and seek Christ in, in everything that I do. And it, it kind of, you know, opens your heart and your mind to a lot of different instances. Um, you know, I feel like I don't complain as much about life. You know, I kind of understand, you know, patience and more joy in, in the things around me. And yeah, that's, that's really been pretty amazing to, to kind of see that develop. I was having trouble, like, financially. And like, I was like, and like despair basically. But like, I had a friend who was like, I had to like, ask him like, is there some stuff you like teach me about like following the like, Christ? And he said, absolutely. And at the very like beginning of March, he asked me, I was like ready to have a relationship with Christ. Because prior to that, um, I was agnostic for like, from 2017 to like now. So basically I sent him a text on January 31st and asked him, hey, if you have time this week, I have some questions about God, faith, and Bible. And he said, absolutely, yes. And then for now, like, that like moment on, we just had like little talks about like faith and other stuff. He's basically just saying like, God wants me in a relationship with them. God loves me no matter what. He wants to like get to know me in my life. So I feel like more of like a relief that's left off of me. I'm grateful that he was able to help me so I realized, okay, I can have God's eternal love if I just put myself to it. So I grew up in a very Christian household. My dad was a pastor and my mom was just full-time invested in the ministry. Um, and so I had a lot of knowledge about God, but I never really understood the purpose of all of that. And so um, kind of abandoned my parents' faith um, and really invested in my own independence. Leading up to when I accepted Christ, um, but right before college, um, I got really sick in all the independence um, I had built for myself and um, what I kind of had laid my foundation on was gone. Um, and so coming into college after getting better, I was kind of scrambling to find um, you know, just kind of regain that security and that independence and, in, you know, who I thought um, I was and what I held valuable. Uh, and I met uh, some girls on my floor. I mean, this one girl in particular, uh, Jillian Meister, started um, sharing her life with me at first and just caring about me, which was really, um, really great. And she shared the gospel with me, which kind of took me aback as someone who had heard the gospel my whole life. Um, yeah, seeing as she cared more about my eternity than I did at the time and she introduced me to her roommates Bailey and Amber and Lindsay and they all just loved me um, and cared about me. One thing I've been learning is just having a heart for service. Um, before I was so focused on myself and my independence and building my life on my own ability. Um, but learning in Christ to lay myself down and my desires and yield to other people has been something that I never thought I would desire to do before Christ. And now um, that's where I find joy, is serving others um, and doing what I can um, for God and for the kingdom. I was really depressed. I stopped going to school. I stopped like feeling motivated to really do anything. And I kind of just was wondering like where my life was going, like sort of thing. like what am I really doing with my life? Like, I don't feel happy. I don't, like, love what I'm doing. I don't love school anymore. Like, everything that I used to enjoy just, like, di didn't feel like it mattered anymore. And then I kind of just started, like, looking into different things. Like, what could I do different that would make me happier? And, like, 
nothing really seemed to work. Like I kind of did like the therapy thing. I did like, I looked into Buddhism. I looked into like Hinduism, like all these different things. And like none of it seemed to really like be what I was looking for. I got really close to my sister and we started talking a lot. And my sister had started following Christ a few years before. And she got married to this amazing guy. And I just had seen how her life was so different than it used to be and how she was so like, wise and so mature and she always had good advice and she always like stuck to good values and things like that and if I ever needed anything like she was the first person that I went to and the very first week that I went to K-State um, I actually went to Faith and it was just so different than anything I thought like religion was and I had never really listened when I went places before but I really started listening and just started realizing that everything was not what I thought it was. I started reading the Bible more and more and I just rung so true. Everything in it I was like wow that's really true and like the more I started to apply it to my life the like better my life became, the happier I was. I started praying and I just felt like I just felt totally different. All the decisions that I've made that weren't focused on myself have just been way more fulfilling. I came to Christ um, at the age of like seven to eight. I remember um, sitting down with my mom on the couch and talking just about Jesus and what he did for me. And I remember praying and asking Jesus into my heart. And since then I've grown um, a lot in my faith. And this summer, um, I went on a youth trip that was really impactful. I grew extremely strong with the Lord, and I wanted to more and more just honor and serve Him. And since then, um, I've spent almost every day now just spending time in His Word and with a prayer with Him. Uh, there's been circumstances in my life where uh, recently where I've had to learn just to trust God and remember that He's He's got a plan for me and that I can trust and rely on Him that He has everything set out perfectly for me. Growing up, I was never really, I grew up around the church but never grew up involved in the church. So it was one of those things where it's like I knew of Christ but never like was committed. And then I feel like a really big changing point in my life was when I almost lost my twin brother. And that's just one of those things where it was like really hard in your life. And I remember calling him a couple times when he was in the hospital and all of his conversations were very Christ driven. And to me, I just took it as in one of those things. It's like, if this is the last time you're talking to somebody you love and this is what they want to say to you, it's got to be important. And so for me during that week, I kind of like decided that if I wanted to take one thing away from my brother, it would also be to have a relationship with God. And I feel like there were a lot of times like in my past where I definitely struggled with like putting myself above others, like very me focused. And now like after coming to Christ, it's like just very others focused and like what can I do for others? What can I do for God kind of thing. My favorite thing that I've learned and it was definitely like a harder thing to learn was that he's always there. Because I feel like there's sometimes things that where it's like, oh, it'll be easier to bring this to my friend, or like it's easier to bring this to my spiritual mentor, but it's like they're not always going to be able to talk to you, and like in general, people aren't always going to be able to talk to you. And so just knowing like all hours of the day, he's always there for you, and he wants to hear from you too.
everyone hear me? Sweet. Well, Alec, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. It's really exciting to see this, and uh, I'm just honored that I get to be in this tub with you um, and doing this with you. So when I think of you, I think of Matthew 5, 5 and 6, which says, um, Blessed are the meeks, for they shall inherit to the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You have a very quiet and gentle spirit. You're always willing to listen and to learn from everyone, and you do it with such humility. You're always asking questions. I remember I was telling you something I just learned. You were taking notes of what I was saying, and that just really blew my mind that you were willing to learn from me. And your hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're not passive, but you're a man of action. You desire to grow and to learn and to... Um, yeah, just challenge yourself, and um, you do that in such a great way, um, relying on the Lord to um, carry you through that and, and to strengthen you, and those are things I admire about you, and I just feel honored that I've been able to call you friend for these last four years and go on this journey with you, so let's get to dunking you. <laughs> so, All right, I want to lead you, Alec, in, an, in a confession of your faith, so trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin? And renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world. I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his words and showing his love? I will, with God's help. Alec, because of your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. gets to baptize their wife and so this is a really really uh, big deal for us and our family and Carrie is uh, well for those of you that know Carrie she's wonderful and uh, her faith is so strong and it just keeps it keeps my faith going and it what keeps our whole family's faith going and um, if you're ever around her it's infectious her love of Jesus is just always there and it's been uh, it's been wonderful to get to see the uh, the change in her, it's been wonderful to get to see God's work in her life, and it's an honor to be here right now with her. So, With that said, <clears throat> I want to lead you in this confession of faith. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil in the world? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple and obey his word and showing his love? I will with God's help. All right. Because of your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
People of God, what is our response? Receive you into the family of God. Live and proclaim the gospel of Christ. And share with us in life everlasting. Uh, church. <laughs> Church, will you pray with me real quick? God, thank you so much for today and the work that you've done in the lives of the people getting baptized and that have already been baptized today. God, will you please just surround them and protect them, help them persevere as you finish the good work that you started just as you promised, Lord. And may we join as a church around them and edify them and build them up as we're all unified in the truths of Christ crucified. We pray these things in God's name. Amen. Amen.